You're listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast, everyday conversations between artist and audience member that highlights, demystifies and celebrates the classical music art form. You can gain exclusive early access to each podcast episode, plus a whole host of other benefits and trinkets by signing up to Thoroughly Good on Patreon. Just visit patreon.com forward slash thoroughly good. People of a certain age may recall the Blue Peter Expedition, a summer-long trip to seemingly far-flung and exotic locations embarked upon by a group of children's TV presenters, by all appearances, who got on like a house on fire. These experiences were committed to film and broadcast on BBC Children's TV soon after their return to work. I always felt rather narked catching up on their exploits television that cast a dark shadow on the comparatively dull family caravanning holidays I experienced on the south coast of England. Thirty years later, I see those TV scrapbooks in a slightly different light. Summer rushes by, people have fun, sometimes the time to reflect on value, impact and benefit doesn't really present itself until the summer is but a distant memory. A bit of time provides the opportunity to arrive at a deeper appreciation of what you experienced just a few weeks before. So it is in this podcast. Foch's Eight, a professional group of eight singers started up by brothers Paul and Barney Smith, start a new season of events and endeavours the week this podcast is published, the first week of October 2019. They have a concert rehearsal and project space in central London called the Voches 8 Centre and their sister group Apollo 5 also has a full programme of events in the coming months too. You may well have also caught Voches 8 at the proms earlier in the summer. Also during the summer, the Voches 8 Foundation ran a residential course for children and adults alike where the only requirement for attending was a desire to sing. I visited the site at Milton Abbey, now a boarding school setting grounds designed by Capability Brown in deepest Dorset on a hot day during the summer. The opportunity to listen back to it now has been a bit of a treat, a reminder of hearing music everywhere, experiencing the energy that exudes when you dip in and out of a wide range of musical endeavours, all running concurrently. That kind of stuff is nourishing and restorative. It's a reconnection with the physicality of music and the physical and emotional impact it can have, even when you're just breezing from place to place. So, no daredevil stunts in this. Instead, just a wander around Milton Abbey on a hot day with contributions from performers and educators alike. Listen carefully and you'll even hear a proud mum. Music featured includes a chorus from Haydn's Creation and violinist Thomas Gould playing the violin concerto by Max Brook. Sure. So my name is Paul Smith. I'm one of the co-founders of Watchers 8. Um, I started it with my brother back in 2005. And we're here today at the International Festival and Music School that we run here. Our summer course has about 150 participants from 12, 13 different countries, ranging from 8-year-olds through to slightly older than that. So I'd say our top age is in the 80s this year. So you started it in... You started it in 2005. You seem terribly young. Were you about 14 years old when you set it up? That's very kind. (laughs) I know. It's it's how I work. (laughs) Yeah, flattery will get you everywhere. Um, So, yeah, we started it, actually. um, Started Watchers 8 when we left our youth choirs. So we were in our early 20s. And um, we won a competition in Gorizia in Italy in 2005. And that's when Watchers 8 was born. And we thought, maybe we could make a career out of doing this. So at the same time, we launched a foundation. And for the last... 
14 years. We're just entering our 15th season. We've been building something which now is much bigger than really we ever thought it would be. And so we have a centre in London, the Vodgers 8 Centre. We have our own record label. In fact, I've just released an album on that label today called Reflections. Um, we have Vodgers 8, which does maybe 120 concerts a year. Another group called Apollo 5, which also tours internationally doing lots and lots of different things. And um, a scholars program and all sorts of different things going on. It's, it, it keeps us busy. And as we speak, I think a pile of our, our young course participants are going to be streaming past Hello. us. And they're all carrying rocks because right. we're working today on a piece called Rock Piece as part of our children's course where we're, it's a piece that was developed by Pauline Oliveros in the 1970s about finding an inner pulse. Deep listening is one of the things that we're working on in the course. So we're just off to the theatre actually now to go and do a little bit of practice well, we on that. Should we, we, must, should we, we follow and that. see what's going on? I don't know that I've ever been to any part of the country where there's no 3G. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what a treat. This place is totally isolated, isn't it? Great. It's like going back 25 years. It's glorious. Yes. After you. Um, thank you. Um, I, didn't, I didn't expect it to be quite so big. The whole, the whole thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I really didn't. I, I, it feels a little bit on arrival. It feels a little bit like a youth orchestra thing. Yes, it's uh, well, it, it's the seventh year of the course now, and it um, started with, I suppose, about. 80 people and these days we don't even advertise and it's full with 150 or so wow. before we even get started. I can't have you go in after me. You must go before. You're far more important. It's been incredible really to see it grow and this year for the first time we're actually broadcasting all the concerts each night that after we do them so we had um, the Academy of Ancient Music in yesterday and we did St John's Passion um, and it went up on Facebook last night so as well as the things we're doing here we're also reaching hundreds of thousands all over the world who are tuning in and uh, it's, it's great and um, this is our youngest member here she's actually just four so this is yeah should we go in yeah, yeah. Should we go okay. so we've got guys we've got less than 10 minutes until lunchtime so i suggest it's 10 to 1 lunch is at 1 is that right yeah okay um We'll see you guys figuring it out. Let's try and do a run of all of that stuff. So we'll go from up there, we'll come onto, so onto stage and uh, into your dotted bits. Okay. Here we go. Ready? heard the opening of our performance at the beginning that's going to happen at the gala concert on Saturday as part of the uh, Milton Abbey International Music Festival, Watch Us 8 Music Festival, right? Uh, the children's course, we have been, in, been inspired by the creation, which is the masterwork that the main course has been exploring this year, 
and uh, so we've been taking creation myths and pieces like ambient pieces of music and so what you heard just then was a piece by Pauline Oliveros called Rock Piece uh, which then transitioned into the Micmac Honor Song by Lydia Adams uh, which is a, a Native American chant that honours nature. No? Did I, I get some, it wrong? I see some, sh- some head shaking. Oh, and this is from There's a some... Canadian, so you've got to... Okay. okay. No. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, sorry, Native <laughs> Canadian. North American. Really Native awkward. Canadian. This is really awkward. She's grabbing her neck <laughs> and you're, you're holding your chest. <laughs> Everything else correct apart from that last bit. Mick okay. Mick Ma. Mick Ma. Okay. Well, I read it down wrong as well. So, okay. But, but you well, it's, it's got a cue on the end. It's the you, wouldn't, okay. you wouldn't know. It's just I was taught very to say it very carefully. They're very sensitive about being identified as Native Canadians. The Mi'kmaq tribe is from the Nova Scotia area of Canada. And they're very sensitive about how it's pronounced. It's Canadian training I've had. I mean, I have, to be, I have to be transparent with you. I suspect they're not going to be listening. So we've no, probably dodged this. <laughs> but but um, there's, there are always these cultural discussions. Yeah, so sure. I agree. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you don't worry. I do understand. Yeah. But it's a silent cue. It is. It is. Yes. I'm like unaware of any words. unaware of any words with a silent cue. I know. I mean, uh, As English people, though, we really cannot complain. Like the amount of silent letters in our words, you know. We're pretty. We have a lot of international um, people taking part on this course, and I think teaching English is and trying to speak in English is is one of their hardest challenges. Of yeah, even for those of us who were yeah. born and brought up yeah, here. Uh, can I just? Uh, that's very useful. Uh, can I just flag that you have a fantastic voice for radio? Thank you. Has anybody else told you that before? Um, no. <laughs> well, you and know. also the T-shirt. I mean, it's. I mean, it's factual. It's a bold assertion, isn't it? And Paul, Paul's is factual as well. I'm factual. I am optimist. optimist. Okay. Uh, I'm feeling slightly sad when I read Neil that. Yeah. The world's most 100% <laughs> awesome violist. That's correct. I've yeah. never heard of any of them. That's I've claimed awesome. it. Trademark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I should ask you about why the children are here and what they, what the idea behind the course is. Well, it's to make sure that we have all ages represented. So we have a junior course specifically for the younger children. And then as they get older, they join in with the adults. And this is Paul's brainchild of a creative music-making course for the young musicians. So they not only learn songs, but they also are involved in creating, including songwriting, which Neil has been masterminding with them this week. From a creative point of view, though, from an edu- rather from an education point of view, what do you think the children are getting out of it? Well, hopefully, lots and lots. Um, and we're, we're all being really <laughs> self-effacing on you, which so, is really annoying yeah, for me. Sorry, they're getting <laughs> huge. I mean, the thing, the one thing that I've seen in this course particularly, and we see that now in the older guys who have transitioned from the children's course to the adult course, is a real sense of finding their tribe, finding their group finding people that they can connect with who think similar to them from different parts of the country. They really have bonded in a really kind of deep and meaningful way. Um, so, and, and that social aspect of music making is incredibly powerful. It's incredibly powerful for their self-confidence, for their feelings of self-worth. Um, and then the course runs alongside that, so they get this performance aspect where they get to stand up as a group of 10 young people 
who then perform with Voces 8 and perform with the Voces 8 scholars and perform with us as a professional team in front of the massed, uh, the massed course of 150 people, plus on Saturday the Academy of Ancient Music, professional instrumentalists will be there, plus another 150 in the Have audience. Have you told them this already? Do they know well, how many people are going to be in the audience? Yeah, I mean, they I mean do, I'm terrified, you're just telling me. <laughs> they, you know, they, they've always, they always take it in their stride because right. they, they feel part of the family. You know, they feel part of, of what's going on. They're not a separate thing. We're not tucked away. We take part in our workshops, our warm-ups together. We have lunch together. We have dinner together. We, ha- we did a massed Kaylee on Wednesday afternoon together. Mm. They play frisbee and, and nerf ball together on the front nerf. lawn. What's nerf ball? Nerf. It's, it's oh, a, nerf. It's a brilliant yeah, thing that you yeah. throw it through the air and it makes a whistling noise oh. as it's coming. So it's soft. Right. So, okay. so they're part of the wider course. And so standing in from in front of the course and Voces A and performing in front of them... It's, 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 it's just, you know, it's performing in front of friends. Yes. So, you know... It's a community. It's a community, yeah. Right. It's a really powerful thing. I think that word um, family you just mentioned is kind of what we feel like here. We spend our life on the road going out into different schools, different parts of the world to sing and to make music and to educate. And we're constantly fighting the good fight as we see it in terms of music education and, and really emphasising the benefits, both social and academic. And actually then we get to come to our summer school every year and we suddenly feel like this is our, our family. Um, I mentioned that we've just released this album, which has 2,500 singers on it. And actually that's been possible because some of the people here from all sorts of different countries have helped us. They've gone away, they've recorded their choirs, they've worked with us. So actually more than 1,000 of the voices on our new album are directly as a result of people on this summer course who wanted to get involved. So we have Belgians and Germans and French and American people who've submitted and worked with us and it all comes out of this nucleus this community that comes together every year it doesn't matter your age it doesn't matter where you come from but if you want to be a part of our family then actually this is this is the place to come and do it and last right. last night we saw sorry i should i should stop talking no, no, but please, la- please. last night we um we had for me one of my favorite moments of the week when the, the cabaret started so obviously we're thinking a lot about singing in a choir but last night's the opportunity for all the course participants to stand up and do their party piece and you see these people who are looking forward to this all year and they they stand up and they are terrified of yes. what they're going to do and then suddenly they are embraced by everyone there given so much love and support that so they you tell you you say- you say that, you say that, and, and my mind leaps back to a school production of Smike by Simon May. I don't know if you know. Wow, that's, yeah, a, that's a big uh, In which I played Boulder and some <laughs> other character, and I had to sing Do the Boys Rock in front of the whole school, oh. and I was terrified. <laughs> the idea that people would all get together and go, oh, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. No, no. no it's and just... you see this transition on the stage in the cabaret. It's just in the in the room, so it's very casual. But you see someone step yeah, up. Yeah, you say casual. And then <laughs> they, they step up and they're terrified for the first moment, and then they start, and suddenly there's just a sort of warmth and the cheers oh. that everyone gets. It's just fantastic. And, and it's performing. It's like an old, um, like a parlour concert from you know years ago. It's just friends performing with friends in front of friends. That's kind of what it is. It's not. It's not a concert. And the, the cabaret it takes part in the second half of the week. So we've had three days of, of friendship building and community and reconnection and, you know, create, recreating this family. And then they get to step out from the crowd and, and, and show what they can do. And, you know, we, audiences, we love supporting people, don't we, like as, 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 a, as a species and, and, and human connection through appreciation of somebody else's performance in a family and community setting is incredibly powerful. And, uh, yeah, it's just That's one of the examples of what we do yeah, this week. I- 
if I can chime in, please. <laughs> talking, no, yeah. I didn't mean it that way. I mean, <laughs> no, thank you. Go, go for it, because um, I was a bit worried yeah. there for a moment. No, no, no. Um, just some of the participants that I've been talking to the last couple of years who keep coming back and coming back, they will say, oh, I wasn't going to sign up again. You know, I should go on a holiday, do something different, but I just can't not come. I have to come because I've made so many friends. Some of the adults, especially older adults, are saying not only do I enjoy the singing, but it's challenging my brain. So I find I'm really using my brain learning this new music. And when I come, I'm always terrified. And then we get going and it feels much, much better. That's with the ensemble singing. And then there's the cabaret. And um, they keep in touch with each other throughout the year. And the other thing about the kids course is that members of Voters 8 and the scholars, so the professional singers, they all come into sessions to help and the kids get to order them around. Now how many <laughs> children do you know who can order around people who are world-renowned singers? Yeah, but presumably they do come into the space knowing that they're going to be ordered around. Of course they do, I mean, but they're, they're, the like, deal, they're like yeah. big kids, they love it. I have yet really? to see one of the singers who did not enjoy interacting with the kids. See, I, I'm slightly terrified by children. I'm just going to flag that now. So, so I don't well, want to be doing, involved in any kind of thing. very well so, <laughs> so far. Today, that then, partly yeah, because yeah. they're not in the room. Um, uh, fine. Okay, I think it's lunchtime. I do need to talk to you more about a thing, but I'm not going to do that now. Okay. I'll just grab you later. Is that, I'm seeing nerves. Are you feeling nervous? No, I'm not nervous. Right. Okay. No, not at all. I'm quite excited, and I'm wondering what exactly Francis told you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I'll tell you uh, okay. later on. Um, <laughs> shall we... Um, Shall we head back? Yeah. Uh, tell me why, while we walk back to lunch, why did, why did you, you and your brother set this up? And was it when you, when you had the idea for it, was it, did you have the idea that it would be as big as this? Uh, I don't think we ever could have dreamed it would have got this big. Um, but the idea when we set it up was always that we try and build a foundation alongside a performance ensemble. So from the very, very beginning, this idea of being involved in music education and being uh, the best possible ensemble that we could be were kind of hand in hand. And um, I think we, we probably feel like we've achieved that far beyond what we could have dreamed. Um, we feel very lucky, really, to be where we are today. When did you have that idea? Um, I'm now comparing myself to you, I'm sorry, so I need right. you to bite on this. So, uh, oh, let's see, let's track back in time. So I, before we started Watchers 8, I'd just finished university. Um, I'd spent my gap year actually teaching music and sport at King's Cambridge, doing one of those gap year student things. God, that must have been awful. It was really tough, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, Cambridge. Yeah, so, so horrible. Uh, yeah. But So I kind of fell in love with teaching there. And then after university, I got my first job working for an orchestra in London and then ended up at the Irish Chamber Orchestra. Right. And I was struggling by the incredible benefits that you can get from really good music education programs but I also saw a few that were way way off what they could have been and I saw the detrimental effect those could have right so I kind of at that point thought well when we start to do what we're going to do I think it's important we do something and I think it's important we do something really well and right. that's that was kind of the launch point so we've been sort of pursuing that line ever since and so was that a couple of years after you'd after you graduated probably yeah, 2005 2006 something wow. like that um, wow so yeah we've been going follow this we're going way. in here yeah, we're going okay. in here now well it's not a bad building is it this place oh, yes, it's <laughs> very understated <Yes. laughs> 
and the Abbey itself is absolutely glorious. But you but haven't always been here, am I right? Or have I got that no, bit so, of research wrong? So, um, we've been coming to Milton Abbey now for maybe six or seven years, and we really love the place. Um, and it's... Uh, I mean, we're based in London, obviously we travel all over the world, but there, as you spotted when you came in, there's no signal here, there's no, 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 there's no, no it's anything, really bizarre. there's it's no really shops, bizarre. there's no... <laughs> <laughs> Once you're here, you're kind of um, stuck into this, this beautiful place that, that makes you switch off from the rest of the world and just focus on making music and having fun. So it's gorgeous. It is incredible, isn't it? And when the weather's like this, it helps a lot. It rained on the f- second day this year, and it's not quite as nice, but it makes you appreciate the sunshine when it is comes Is it shared out. dormitories? Uh, no, most, most of us get our own rooms. Right. I mean, I would, <laughs> yeah. that would, that you'll be, you'll be, be pleased to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm all for embracing, you know, different experiences, but, but this, uh, uh, I'm not sharing a room with anybody. No, you're fine, <laughs> don't worry. So it's... It's um, frugal living, but, uh, is it right? but okay. it's very nice. It's, if you want the, the classic boarding school experience, this is the place to come. Really. It certainly uh, seems that now. And that includes yeah. lunch, which we're about to have. It's okay. very much a boarding school. Okay, this is very good. Hello. 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 I'm sorry. Uh, do people audition, or do they just apply? No, they just sign up. It, so this this part of our program is. Oh, look at this is our base, Johnny. He's oh dear. He's torn a ligament. Yes. I overheard that yes. conversation earlier yes. on. <laughs> How did you te- tear the ligament? I think it was an embarrassingly child-related well, way. Playing with a Nerf ball or playing with Virginia. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so either it's with a small toy or with a small person. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure which, which way to speak. I'm not better. Like <laughs> so, you're, so, so you're a singer, though. Aren't yeah. you? You're one of the eight. Yes, yeah. he is. Right. He's, uh, he's do got you a... have to do any movement on stage? Fortunately, not. Right. Well, I'm not, I'm not an acting contest anyway. But in, right. um, in Croatia, I'll have to. Yeah, we're going to have to think about that, aren't we? In Croatia, what what will you be doing in Croatia? Croatia. Well, we've got we've got a gig next week. Yeah, but what's the movement? Oh, there's some oh. choreography. He's always double basing and all oh sorts of God. things. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, dear. You're just playing it for sympathy, yeah, really, you're aren't you? Yeah, you're going to get loads of free drinks tonight, though. It's not real. He's just put no, it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Always be very sceptical of people. Everything right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Crutches. Last night. Yeah, I don't know if that's This is Eleanor. She's also one of our singers. Hi. Hello. I think I think I bumped into you... Backstage at the Botches 8 Centre. Oh, you were yeah. the Botches 8 Centre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and everybody was very smartly dressed, and I was late. Um, <laughs> oh, right. And yeah. I was looking for wine. Obviously. Yeah. We what usually do you mean, are. obviously? What do you say? <laughs> no, we're all. You find out <laughs> we're all looking for wine. Wow. All You're the time. judgmental, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Uh, so they just apply. They're, sorry, they don't. Yeah, they just apply. They just sign up and come. Um, most yes, but then we have a scholarship program, which is for um, eight singers a year who are thinking about being professionals, and that's auditioned. So in this room right now, the scholars are having a masterclass with Mary Beth, and I think. Oh. So we can walk in. Should we just? Yeah. We'll have to. Thank you. 
We don't have to do this work, you know. We could just make a living being singers, singing concerts. Mm. That would be Which easy. Which in itself is difficult enough. Yeah, yeah it's, it's hard enough, um, but it would be easier than the route that we choose to take, I think. Um, but we are, we believe that we're here doing what we can do because of the education we had, and we look around at the landscape that we find ourselves in now, and we think there's work to be done. And if we don't do it, then our art form is going to struggle. Uh, do you mind a challenge? Go on then. <laughs> oh dear. Um, when you say the, the, the musical education that you had, um, I immediately think of the word privilege. I don't know you at all. So well, was it privileged? P- partly privileged, partly luck, I suppose. Actually, I was a chorister at Westminster Abbey, so oh. this is not something you have to... Where? Yeah, that quite. So, but, but I went there, having before that gone to a small village school in the Lake District... Um, and I went there by chance. And the thing about that particular school is that you don't have to be rich to go there. It's not about paying. It's about wanting to do it. And the, and the kids there sing for four hours a day. And you either love it or you hate it. And um, after that, because of the work I'd done there, I was able to get a scholarship somewhere else. Again, to a school I would not have, like my family would not have been able to pay for me to go to. But because of the training that I'd had, um, it made it possible. And I, I, I think this idea of privilege is always one that's going to come up. Um, uh, but I think what we try and do with our, our work is take what we do everywhere. And that means we go into the, the privileged schools and we also go into the places that have nothing. And we try to help whoever we're with move up a level somehow and develop somehow, whether that's musically or otherwise. Um, do you, are you optimistic about the future? I mean, the, the irony, the irony given the T-shirt, yeah. but are you? Because, you know, the conversation that we've had over lunch is about was about music education and... And actually, the more people that I talk to about music education in this country, the more depressed I feel. But maybe that's because I'm not actually working in it. Are you optimistic uh, doing the work you are? I would say I, on some level, am optimistic. I'm uh, sad to say that after having been doing this for 15 years, I don't feel like anything's got better. If anything, it's got worse. But I look around me, um, both in the projects we do and the projects loads of other arts organisations are doing, that are fantastic. And I see on a daily basis people being inspired and people working hard so whatever the challenges there are that face us there are people who are willing to stand up and be counted in our sphere and that is what gives me optimism and also you know that people still love music and that's not going to change so our job is to tap into that love I think and that that fun and then find a way to make sure whatever the struggles are that we use the benefits that music has for everyone in their life how do you see it you know, when you're at the end of your career, how do you... <laughs> might be tomorrow. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm not <laughs> saying that it will be... To... No, 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 I'm not saying that. Uh, but at the end of your career, how do you think that you would like it to be? Um, well, what we're... Surely you ask yourself that question, don't I, you? I do, and actually I think about it in terms of what we do with the foundation. Mm. We're trying to build something that lasts beyond us, and we want to exist in a world where music education is cherished more than it currently is it's not actually something that costs a lot of money in the grand scheme of things so to me it's uh just 
a real shame that we're missing out on this opportunity to do something which is so good for community and so good for academic improvement alongside that. So is that about uh, seeing appetite change uh, amongst uh, you know, people who can implement change? Do you see what I mean? Is I, it, will you I, know that you've achieved that when... I think we might... Um, continue to struggle on that front but I <laughs> but but I should also say that we take a global view on it and in some places we see a, a different landscape if I go to Germany it's better but again they would say they're struggling in Japan they have fantastic things going on Americans are saying they're struggling in France it sort of goes up and down what so are South Americans saying uh, that's somewhere I haven't got to in have the world not? yet. No, no, no I know. It's on my list. Not my, uh, that's a good question. You've got me. I can't get well, no, Just because I think about, uh, what's his name? Dudamel. Dudamel and, yeah, their program. And just assume that, you know, everything's, well, I was yeah. about to say everything's rosy there. It's clearly no, not rosy. No, it's not. And actually, they tried to implement that system in the UK and it's had uh, mixed success, I oh, think, really? hasn't it? The El Sistema program they've tried to use in different places and it's, it's sort of working to an extent, but, uh, you know. They've come up with something, I think, that's been hugely successful in their environment. And yes. I think we can all share good ideas and learn from each other. I was actually in um, Macau last week at a conference on music education and presenting a, a paper on the research I've been doing with a Japanese university for the last couple of years, looking at the impact of our style of teaching, the Voces 8 method and that kind of thing, with, um, with Japanese students and what we've sort of discovered really is that Japanese students don't think they get anything in the way of creative education, creative music education um, going through their system, but they're f just phenomenal technically. So most kids can read music, most kids sing in choir, but they, they are not comfortable uh, being creative. And so we've been trying to use all of the kind of... they can play? They can play phenomenally. Like they're using a machine? Uh, yeah, exactly. So it's trying to access a different... A different musical challenge almost needs needs to be uh, resolved over so there. It's about expression. Yeah, and it's about willingness to do something different. Um, when I work with Japanese students, they're the, so quick at learning something and copying and doing something together, but they are terrified when it comes to actually having to even make a, 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 a sort of non-voiced noise at a different time from the people next to them. Gosh. So we we approach different challenges, and we. And how do you find their response? Have you has watches eight? Yeah, worked we, in Japan. Yeah, we go to Japan quite often, and um, the response is fantastic. They love what we do, um, and the the re research we've been doing has shown that there's a huge appetite for sharing our musical ideas from the UK in Japan. And what I find fascinating is the willingness of the Japanese government to actually take on board other educational systems and things that are going well and then implement those things into their systems, which frankly You're implying something, aren't you? <laughs> we could maybe perhaps do a little right. better. <laughs> what an extremely charming and understated way of saying it. Uh, where are we now, please? We're now in this incredible abbey, Milton Abbey, um, which is where we hold all of our concerts at the, at the festival. So this evening we're doing a uh, UK premiere of a good friend of ours called Taylor Davis, his Magnificat, mm -hmm. alongside some other people called Mozart and Brooke, oh, who then. people may have yeah may okay. have heard of. And so, so it's a full concert, full concert coming up, and we oh. also have an amazing artist here who's come with the Academy of Ancient Music, and she's painting all sorts of incredible things across the year. Um, watching her at work is quite amazing. That's uh, stunning. It's stunning, oh, isn't it? How do you describe that for a podcast? Well, <laughs> I was hoping we might ask the artist. <laughs> we, should, we maybe should. <laughs> well, um, here she is. Well, no, I mean, it's just been, it's almost like it's been directed. Yeah, it, tend, it happens live in the rehearsal normally. So um, I was singing Bach in rehearsal yesterday and I could see at the other side of the Abbey that she was 
almost dancing with the music. It was incredible. And then I walked around the canvas at the end, and um, this this was the result. So it's just amazing. Should we see if we can? Can I? Can we, can, he, can we just buy you for one minute? We're doing yes. a podcast today, and um, we want to know a bit about your art. <laughs> this You're is looking terrifying. I am terrifying. <laughs> well, don't worry. It's only audio. It's not. I just. Would you tell us about the, what you created? This piece yes. um, I made while we, um, the summer school, were rehearsing Haydn's creation. Right. Um, actually, it's got a lot more architecture in it than some of my other pieces. So it's a representation of, simultaneous representation of the space, the people, the music, all in charcoal. It's ravishing. It is Thank absolutely you. ravishing. It's really nice of you to say so. It has so much depth. Yes, it, but it's suggested. It's not over-described, which gives it movement. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm quite pleased with it. How uh, you sound almost surprised that you're quite. Oh pleased yeah, with it. I never, I never <laughs> like what I do. I, um, I think it's terrible. I knew it's but fu- is that, it's funny is that not about completing? Because I, I have the same thing when I work on a website or a podcast or a video. That when it's completed, I can't wait for it to be published because I just think. I don't want to see this again. I hate it. I think it's terrible. <laughs> Sorry, no, I really. No, 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 I really <laughs> but but then a week after, when I'm laying in the bath and I'm li- listening back to a podcast, then I think, oh, actually, no, this is quite good. I never feel like that about a drawing. I wish this would end. <laughs> However, I do associate with what you're saying because you, I can finish a drawing and think it's terrible, put it away for three months, and when I see it again, I think, oh, actually, that's <laughs> not so bad. Or <laughs> I even like it. And it, but it works the other way sometimes. You finish oh, no. something. Yeah. Really? Yes. And so it, you think, you're really pleased with it, and then you put it, I think, what was. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Oh, I am sorry. It's, it's just, <laughs> Does that happen <laughs> often? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's uh, a mix. You, is it a terrible thing to ask you how long that took? Is it? I mean, that's the question. Is it a terrible thing Does to ask you? Does it matter how long it took? Very good. It's almost like you're a coach. Um, uh, no, it doesn't matter. I'm just interested. I'm curious because yes, I look at that and think it's. A... I'm curious as to the, to the motivation I... of the question. Yes. I get asked it a lot, and I think. Oh, do you? It's because people don't know what else to say. No, that's not. No, <laughs> no, no. Wow, she's good. She's good. You didn't expect this. No, I didn't expect to be cross questioned. I didn't expect to be recorded for a podcast. No, I know. No. But I look at, okay, here's the motivation. I look at it, it is not because I haven't got anything to say. I look at that and think that looks like an enormous amount of work. Yes. And, and it's, it appears to me quite complex. Yes. And so that makes me want to ask, okay. how long did it take? Okay. I understand. And I think because, I, actually, it's surprisingly quick. Right. Because I am suggesting, I'm not over-describing. And so the, the complications and the complexity of it, the depth of it, is what your eye is seeing, what you're inferring. Oh, okay. So I leave, I leave plenty for the spectator so, so we're to filling see. it in. Almost. You fill it in. Your mind fills it in, and that's what makes it interesting. That's what means you can go back and look over and over again because it's a, it, you're involved in a game of interpretation with the drawing every time. It's not like a photograph. A still, yes. It's not a still. It's the exact antithesis of a still. It's a, it's a moving thing. When, when I watched you working whilst I was performing... So on this it, piece? No, on, oh, um, uh, yesterday, on the Bach. It was the most captivating thing I'd well, seen. It fabulous. You're, it's Absolutely like the music fabulous. is in you, and you're almost painting with your eyes shut. And I oh, was, when the music inspires... Yeah. Well, I do sometimes. And, and it, the music it, inspires me, and that piece was... An, well, it's a beautiful piece, yeah. but it was amazing. 
um, and a great privilege to be able to draw while while you performed it. And I'm really pleased with. <laughs> Again, it may ch- this may change. Yeah, but at this particular moment in time, I'm really pleased with the with those. It's quite they're quite. Are you staying in here now for the next? Yes, in fact, I must afternoon. set up. Yeah, so, so, if you have enough, lovely. if you have enough, we pod, haven't got your name. We haven't got your name. Emma, safe. Lovely to Emma safe. podcast with you. Yes, your name is Emma Safe. It is. So, my name is Anne Wright, and I'm the director of education for the Voters Eight Foundation. And that job covers a multitude of things, really. It's booking education projects for our singers to lead. So, the simple project management part. It's fundraising. So, I write a lot of trust and foundation applications you've, you've completed a lot of applications yes oh. yeah yeah and that which will... is a skill in itself that has to be said it's one you learn yeah um but the exciting things i get to do are to plan projects with music hubs across the uk and individual schools um to help skill up our singers in leading these to contribute to the repertoire the music that we use and i go out and deliver some of it and train teachers as well uh, I said to Paul earlier on that I had sort of come to this thinking that it was um, that Voches 8 was a, a singing group that that happened to do some education and that now what I think is this is this goes beyond just a singing group. Did, I mean, I know that's a, that seems like a really sort of trite thing to say, but, I, but when you come along to these kind of things, I find myself struggling to define it or needing to define it. Am I right in it having a bigger scope? Yeah, it has a much bigger scope than just a singing group that does some education. Much, much bigger. Did Paul, he probably gave you the number, 40,000 people we reach annually. So that's not concert audience, that's education projects. Um, and why, what do you put that success down to? Because that does sound like a success to me. Yes. Um, down to hard work, determination, a real talent and passion for it. So initially, Paul and Barney really, really believed in it. It wasn't just going to be the performing, which is important and wonderful, but they were also going to ensure that education was part of it. Um, I do it for a number of reasons. One, a real belief that everyone, no matter who you are and where you're from, should have the opportunity to experience listening to wonderful music, participating in it. Um, Even if someone isn't going to go on to be a musician, that doesn't matter. really believe you should have that opportunity. Um, Then we know what, for example, choral singing, singing in a group does in terms of bringing people together. They've done all the studies, heart rates sink, endorphins, all the health benefits. Um, And it's the social benefit as well I mean I in Canada it's very different you don't get as much music in school unless you're lucky the UK even though we aren't in a good way provides more so my parents had to pay for all that and as a result I met so many wonderful people and had all these great opportunities so that's another reason why I'm really passionate about it and then we do a lot of work in deprived areas and I see the difference it can make on children who are not academically inclined necessarily, but it's something they can do. And if they're learning English, music, singing, that helps develop their vocabulary. Um, It helps a sense of, we use the word social cohesion, but you you get these kids from 
disparate backgrounds and often difficult families, they don't know how to get along. But you bring them in together in something like music making and they learn to work as a team and they have a sense of pride in that. So that's why I believe so passionately in it. Are you, uh, I've asked Paul this same question, are you optimistic about the future in terms of music education in this country? Oh, so I am an optimist, but I'm, I'm not optimistic about what's going on right now because it, it's not just that the government hasn't been listening, really, but even when you do get a little bit of, oh yes, we understand, the reality is there are so many financial constraints now. They, they've, they've got to go back to putting more funding into schools for all the other things. So I don't know how they would return to getting the arts back up to where they should be. Does that suggest then that you don't think that it ever will? I mean, my, my assumption is always, I mean, I hear this conversation a lot and, I, and it makes me feel sad too because my formative experiences were around participatory music making and some of my oldest friends are people who I met in youth orchestra. Um, and I recognise that music education has been diminished dramatically since the, you know, the late 80s, even earlier. But my assumption is that it will turn around. So things do go in a cycle, yeah. don't they? So yes, maybe it, it could be possible that it will turn around. It's going to take a lot of commitment and a lot of funding, quite frankly. And I think my main worry is that we're going to have um, at least one generation of children who've come through with very little music. So as parents, will they value it? Yeah. I, I don't know. I can't answer that question. I think with organizations like ours, getting in there as much as we can and we must also be fair to the music hubs around the country there are lots of them doing really great things and trying hard despite all the constraints you know so there are positive things but we yes we value education it's very important but we aren't an organization that only does education so while there are some organizations out there say going into schools every week to lead singing and skill up teachers we can't do that yet. <laughs> so I wanted to see what we could achieve, actually look at some research data with our forces and our approach, which I believe is more inclusive than perhaps some other approaches to music education. So we've just finished two terms in two primary schools in a part of Hackney which has the highest level of income deprivation for children and um, the schools do not have a music teacher, the music coordinator, non-musician. So we went in and worked with the year one children, so six-year-olds, five and six-year-olds, and their teachers. And the project involved 10 visits by myself and two of our team across those two terms to work with the children, learning songs, doing our exercises. Me training the teachers who had no music training and were terrified and terrified about singing which really really terrified despite the fact that they're working with little munchkins who will do anything for them um, but by the end it was really heartwarming to see the teachers becoming more confident so they, they were taking what we were doing and using it and they had to commit to 10 minutes a day of singing and um, one of the schools went much further 20 minutes a day 
every day after lunch because it focuses the children, the teachers told me. Um, I gave them lots of curriculum songs as well as songs to learn to perform with. We have another ensemble called Apollo 5 and they worked toward a concert with them. And um, they were leading singing in their own assemblies, really getting on with this. And I will hear in September, because the research team from the Institute of Education were in at the start of the project to listen to the children sing, to do some questionnaires, to find out um, level of children's engagement with each other and enjoyment of school and also executive function. They were testing that and then they tested it post-project. So I'm really excited to see what impact can we have across just two terms. And we also had a control group, which I've not heard of in a study like this before. So another primary school agreed to provide the data. They didn't get a project with that year group, which, and we got ethical permission for this. Um, but in return, I fundraise so that this coming year, that school will also get a project. But we, that means we're going to have that control group to compare the results with. And I think the reason I'm doing it is not to just say, hey, look at what we're doing, but to then go to head teachers and say, look what's possible. Your year one teachers can learn to do this. And what a difference it makes. I get the impression that maybe... Um it's about shifting the f shifting where music education occurs in schools. So I was when you were telling me about the fact that they went further and they had 20 minutes after lunch, and, and actually that was where music was introduced in schools, and it was it wasn't by using specialists in the school location. It was about training up existing staff. I'm, I, so I'm wondering whether actually we're moving in a direction where music plays an important part but it's, it's following a slightly different model from the past. Does that make sense? Yes it does and that is uh, one approach that can be very successful if you're using singing as a basis to start and you, the teachers of the younger years, they're perfectly capable of doing this and then that will help the primary school situation and it will embed music rather than on Thursday Yes. we, yeah. we put up a little presentation and we sing to a backing track or something. Instead, we're, we're incorporating singing across the school. How long do you think it has, there needs to be, how long will it take before positive change is brought about? Uh, oh wow, it would, it, would, it, would, it would take a few years. But, but saying that, I know there are some pockets, there's a multi-academy trust, for example, that actually has a director of music across the trust. And they're putting funding behind this. And they're, they're working really hard to bring music back into their schools. So it, it will happen because they will then set an example for others, I'm sure. It's all about teachers, sharing it with teachers and head teachers. It's all very well for musicians and people to say, you should be doing this. But actually the people on the ground, they need to see it, experience, and be empowered to help lead it. And then they'll believe in it. I'm feeling more optimistic, so... Thanks. <laughs>
So this, uh, we're coming into the main choir rehearsal. So in across the week we have chamber choirs, so everyone can split up into small groups and work on whatever they choose. It can either be classical or jazz or pop or creativity, which is my group. Um, but then we're also preparing the creation this week for the mass choir final performance, and that's what the rehearsal is that we're walking into now. It's normally not very serious. Okay. <laughs> This this is John. Hello. He's very uh, nice he's to meet podcaster. you. How do you do? Very well. I'm very well. I'm a little hot. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well. I'm moving from car parking attendant to box office. Are you terribly proud of your son? <laughs> um. Z- uh, sons. <laughs> sons. <yeah. laughs> you hesitated of though. I am. Yeah, she said, it's "Oh, of that's not did. great, is it?" Yeah. yeah. You that, did hesitate yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> say that but you know I don't like them to be big headed so well no well okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) this this has gone really well yeah Yeah. I mean I thought it's going to be a really revealing well it has been certainly a revealing interview Uh, what have you been doing today please Anne Smith (laughs) Um, organising lists mainly and uh, car parking and box office and generally keeping the punters happy which is my job tell me about when Barney and Paul <laughs> came up with their idea. What did you think? We encouraged them and we supported them. We gave them a roof over their heads and some space to build their lives into watches. Did you, uh, was there ever a moment where you thought, I'm not sure that's going to work, but will it? No, take? never. Wow. No. That's, that's, okay. that's, we that's never a think better answer like to the um that we got <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's really, she's really pulled it back. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> wow, big recovery. Wow, you should work in PR. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else are you doing today? Uh, I'm meeting and greeting the very special people who are coming for the dedicated concert tonight. Okay, and when, they're, when you say very special people, yes. how special? How are they special people? They're very special. Well, it's their mother that was very special, and right. it, the concert's in her Ah, okay, honor. this is the lady that you pointed at. Yeah, Mar- okay, Margaret, right, okay. yes, who was yep. a close friend and a particular friend of Barney's, and who actually gave him his first conducting job. So oh. there's somebody with a bit of uh, faith. Yes. And in fact, um, I didn't really doubt your sons, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, and in fact, um, <laughs> my husband doing, and I ride, are doing a, a sponsored miles. cycle ride uh, in honour of her and to support oh, another God. charity that she is particularly. We're going to start on the first of September in Land's End and then finish in Betty Hill on the uh, in Jolly Groats on the eighteenth. Yes. 
Have you done that kind of distance before? Uh, yes. Oh, you have? Oh. Yes. oh they're, they're seasoned tandem riders. Are you? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, they look like fun, yeah. but maybe they're not. Are they no. hard work? Very. But you're on the back, okay. aren't you? So really, it's, yes. it's Dad who has the most I'm the, the powerhouse, and he's the navigator. Oh. He's called the captain, and I'm right. called the stoker, for obvious right. reasons. Right, right. I mean, and, and also, you're very modest. I have no control. <laughs> yeah, and you missed that line. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just telling you, I just sit on the back and do as I'm told, and keep pushing. But you described yourself as a powerhouse. Yes, that's me on the back. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that that's more important than navigation. <laughs> yeah. Really. yeah I, no, because somebody's got to take us the right way. Well, we might do 2,000 well, miles. Going <laughs> but the thing is, you're both going to go in the same... Uh, yeah, but yeah. he's he's in charge. Look, I can't do anything. I haven't even got a break for me going too fast down Haven't you? No, I've got nothing. Okay. okay. Wow. Um, how long have you been riding tandem? Oh, together for about 15, 20 years. That's love, isn't it? Yeah. That really is, is love and dedication. It truly is, And yes. trust. That's from my From my perspective, <laughs> it definitely is trust, yes. Uh, it's been very nice to speak to you. <laughs> okay. Uh, how, how's this experience been for you? <laughs> Oh, daunting. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Well, <laughs> you don't I mean, look I tried my best. Yeah, you were very, yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast, available on Spotify, iTunes, and Audio Boom. To get in touch, tweet at Thoroughly Good, post a message on the Thoroughly Good Facebook page, or email john.jacob at thoroughlygood.me.